Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Robbie and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from August 15th, 2021. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Faith Church Podcast. This is Robbie, and I am here with Jeff today. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, Robbie. I'm doing pretty well. I, uh, I have to admit, this is the kind of summer weather that really to me feels like a blessing i know we all have different preferences yes but for sure the low 80s not ridiculous amounts of humidity i find very fun so yesterday i got to go for a wonderful mountain bike ride with my boys nice that was awesome so yeah i'm feeling i'm feeling well this morning how about you how are you doing i'm doing all right ironically for those of you who who listen to the sermon on sunday either in person or online which would have been august what 15th August fifteenth. Yes. yes. Uh, I mentioned the uh, confectioner delight, the dum dum, and as I at, moments before hitting record, I opened up my drawer, and lo and behold, I find what Look a dum dum. Look at that in my drawer, just waiting to not meet my expectations when I am in need of a sugary snack. Do. How do you feel about that? I made a big deal, and I and I think I may have divided the congregation <laughs> in my disparaging of the dum dum. But I feel like it is a universal truth that these are not a satisfying snack. They no. are far too small to be truly satisfying. I agree. I was just going to say I am not tempted in the least to snatch that out of your hand. No. I think if I didn't know there were some that had gum inside or Tootsie Rolls, maybe the Dum Dum would be satisfying. But there is a much yes. more satisfying like sort of thing that's almost exactly like it, just like twice the size. The, the Tootsie Roll Pop is a, mm-hmm. is a fantastic example of that because even though it basically has like one flavor, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what color it is. It's basically just Tootsie Roll Pop flavored. As a kid, when you got that, that's like the size of your fist. Like, it is so exciting to get that thing. But even as a kid, the dum-dum is very underwhelming as a a treat. And granted, I, like most children, ascribe to the uh, belief that some candy, any candy, is better than no candy. Right. So it's better than having nothing. It's better than a cough drop, but just (laughs) marginally. I love the name. When you were describing it on Sunday, I kept thinking, well, maybe that's why it's called Dum Dum. It's describing our... <laughs> you chose dumb poorly, Dum Dum. Yeah. You should have picked a better candy. Yes. Stacy pointed out, my wife pointed out after the sermon that I needed to clarify that some people may have been confused initially because I have in the past referred to people who act foolishly as a Dum Dum and that... When I started talking about that, that there may have been some confusion and people thinking that I was saying people who act foolishly are the worst (laughs) and are very dissatisfying. And then once everyone got on board and realized I was talking about the tiny dissatisfying candy, then we were okay. But I should have I should have uh, front loaded that I was speaking about the the tiny lollipop. It's just a deep metaphor. It is what it was. (laughs) It's layered. It's very layered. Uh, oh, so did you, did you, do you, ha- did you feel like anything productive happened on Sunday? Any, any questions that you have or anything that, it, that, yes. that you were thinking about as a result of that? Yes. Psalm, I mean, I loved Psalm 36, reading it 
dwelling on it as you preach through it. And then I like how you went into Psalm 37 as well. I mean, the the first thing that really jumped out at me, um, well, one, you had an outline. I really liked that you hey, front loaded that outline thanks for, for my wiring. That was very helpful. Uh, that's just an aside, though. But the, the first point that really struck me was that I and many of us, probably all of us, when we get concerned about things, stressed about things, anxious or fearful, we are often fearing the wrong things. Hmm. We're not actually fearing the thing that can truly harm us, but the thing that could potentially harm us. Hmm. And so you mentioned just that, you know, often we're looking outside of ourselves as circumstances or people, just threats basically from the outside. But actually this psalm makes it very clear that really the enemy, the, the problem is going to be this brokenness within, the sin within. That's what could truly harm us. That's what truly is the, the issue at hand. I thought that was a really important point. Which is not just in this psalm, right? No. I mean, this is, it is pervasive throughout all of scripture, this idea of, of the concern for our heart and that what's going on inside us is always more significant than what's going on beyond us, outside of us. Um, I just thought that this this psalm in particular does such a great job of uh, of laying that out and then immediately responding with the correct response, mm-hmm. right? Because oftentimes, for especially if you if you share my wiring, my wiring of being uh, very analytical and kind of self critical, like I do a lot of too too much self analysis, arguably. Um, and so if you if you lean that way, then you can kind of fool yourself into thinking that the solution uh, is within me as well, mm-hmm. right? So the once I've once I'm willing to admit that the problem is within in me, then I can fall into the trap of thinking, well, the solution is within me. But but Scripture is so clear, and this Psalm, in particular, so clear that the problem is within me. The solution is outside of me. Yes, and but we live most of our lives believing the opposite. The problem is out there. And I am the solution. If everyone would just think the way I think, then none of this would be a problem. If everyone would do things the way I do things, then this wouldn't be as much of a problem. But but Scripture tells us the opposite. Right. And, and I would say there's many, many, if not all, other views of the world would say that the solution is within you, that you yes. need to um, do something within yourself. You need to take care of it. And maybe it's just being more confident in who you are, for example. Mm. I mean, that's a very simple one, but that is a very different message than Jesus taught or this psalm conveys. The solution isn't just to double down and be more confident in yourself. It's to look outside of yourself for a rescuer, for someone who will actually come in and clean up the mess right. and and fix what is broken within us. You know, the, the idea that sin, to me, this gets at the idea that sin is also not just bad choices right it's not just oops i did that again sin is a power sin is something that is stronger than us actually Mm. so apart from christ human beings are are helpless like sheep without a shepherd is what jesus when he looked at the crowds of people that's what he saw yeah and that's what we are apart from him now those of us who are in jesus who belong to him who are his disciples Part of walking with him is dealing with that in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, dealing with the sin 
that is within us. And that, that to me is what you, what you were getting at on Sunday. And I, I feel like for a lot of people that might be intuitive, but I think fleshing that out and what does that look like in life and how often is my peace disturbed primarily because of the circumstance that I am in. You said, you said something like, I don't know if this is an exact quote, but you said our circumstances and our sins, sins that are done against us do not define us, Hmm. but God's love defines us. God does. And that's a radically different way of living and viewing yourself and the world than I, than what I would say would be normal for people around us. Or, or even what we're currently being taught is the way we should view that, right? I'm supposed to create my own identity and then live out of that. I will, will even go so far as to say, live my own truth, right? That's supposed to be defined within me. And then, and then I live out of that when, when scripture communicates the exact opposite of that, that I, that I don't even understand how skewed my vision is. Cause as you said, the sin, sin isn't just the things that I do. It's, it's the way that I'm thinking it's how I perceive things. Everything is affected by that. And so I could even do the right thing, the right act in a sinful way, because it's it's my motivations, it's my desires, it's my heart that is skewed. That's why Jesus and the prophets could could look at the religious elite and say, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You do all of these correct things externally, but it's it's sin still because it's motivated by sinful motivations because your heart is not actually aligned with me. So I, I want to be, I, I, that is what I want to be concerned about, much more so than what you are going to do to me. I'm, I want to worry about what I'm going to do to me and what I'm going to do to you as a result of those skewed perspectives. And, and you said something a few minutes ago that I think is, important to address so so much of what we fear is literally imaginary yes right because it's i'm afraid that this might happen that this person might do this that this thing might happen in our country this thing might happen to the church and but it hasn't happened yet which means currently it's imaginary i've just imagined this possibility and i'm afraid of this imaginary thing which is irrational aside from being unbiblical. And so that we want to be able to quickly dismiss. But what about the things that are actually happening to me? Not the things that I am worried about are might happen, but but the circumstances that are currently happening to me or the sin that is currently being committed against me. How how would you encourage someone who's saying I'm not worried about what might happen? I'm afraid of what is happening. I'm concerned about what is happening right now. I mean, I think the first thing is to recognize that even as we say the problem is within and not without, we're not saying that the things that are happening to you right now that are wrong and evil aren't wrong and evil. Like those are important things to God. Yeah, and I just want people to hear that. It's It's not to say that any of those, the things that you're suffering through right now are insignificant to God or to us. No brothers and sisters in Christ. It's just to say they're not the ultimate thing. They don't, in the end, define you. I would say the first thing I would encourage someone to do in that situation is to cry out to God with that pain, yeah. to yes. not hold it within, to not um, to not try to meet that problem. Like a, it's a spiritual problem. When we are sinned against, that's ultimately a, a spiritual problem. We get into more trouble when we try to fix that with 
with other sin often mm. like we'll turn to something yeah. like maybe maybe someone might turn to alcohol or to some illicit pleasure to deal with the pain yeah. and i understand that i understand the desire to cope maybe it's spending you know i would just encourage you first to not go that route sin will never be overcome by more sin it's only going to be overcome by good and that's only going to come through Christ. So I would say that the most important thing that any of us can do is to every day dwell in and rest in the reality of Christ, that he is active, that he is present, and to anticipate him in his action. So the Psalms are great examples of that as well, of, yeah. of someone crying out, how long, O Lord, when will you intervene? When will you take this from me? So I do think we can ask God, take this circumstance away. Make this person stop doing what they are doing. Yeah. Whatever it is. But in the end, God is the one who chooses whether or not that happens. Our our role is to trust in him and to dwell in him. What would you what would you add to that, Robbie? What else is coming to your mind about how to deal with that? I mean, what I would add to that is what you said earlier. I'll just steal your words, Jeff. We always joke about how our <laughs> best insights happen right before we hit record. Um, and so and I remembered one this time that you said, right, when we were talking about um, some of the things that we wanted to touch on, you, you addressed that the reality that oftentimes these things that we fear most and, and try the hardest to avoid at all costs are the very things that Scripture says God uses in order to grow our faith and, and grow our patience, grow our love for others, our love for him and our trust in him and our Christ-likeness, right? All of the things that if we're pursuing Christ, we would want to see in ourselves. He says it's these difficult circumstances that he uses to form those things in us. And so while we never wish those things on one another, and, and it is absolutely okay to ask God to remove those things, um, we, we don't want to be afraid of those things or think that the goal is to make sure that we avoid those things at all costs because God is forming extraordinary things in us through those if we allow him. If we don't just view them as this horrible circumstance that must be avoided, but but try to see, okay, well, how is, how is God trying to work a Joseph-like scenario in this, right? It is not good that his brother's faked his murder and sold him into slavery. That is objectively evil. We don't look at that and go, no, 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 that was actually a good thing because God worked out something good. No, that was evil. God is just so extraordinary and so amazing that he can even take overt evil perpetrated against you and and turn what someone else tried to burn to the ground, those ashes, into something extraordinary and beautiful that that is for his glory, for your joy, and for the service of others. And so, yeah, I just, I, I think some of it is is being able to take a step back from our circumstances and trusting, do I believe God when he says through his word that it's possible to even find joy in these circumstances because of the fact that we know and trust that he is working something out through them. That that is so requires us to have in mind what God's goal for us is every day. Mm. You know, mm. it's right. like it, if we understand and have front of mind that God's desire for me today is communion with Him, is growth in Christ's likeness, is experiencing His love and then sharing it in turn with other people and with Him. That changes the way a difficult circumstance feels. It's mm. not 
it's not just then a detour off the main road of what our life is. And then we have to work really hard to get back on the main road off this detour. Actually, yeah. it's just part of the road that we're walking on. And the point is, and the goal is, and God's desire is that we would walk with him through it. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, it's C.S. Lewis, I'm going to paraphrase, but he says how God whispers to us in our pleasures, right? And he speaks in our conscience, but then he shouts in our pains. It is his oh. megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I'm how often... sure that was verbatim. Well done. <laughs> hey, thanks. That one has struck me because how often I'm going through difficulty and just not seeing that what is actually happening is God is drawing me to himself. Drawing me to himself in a way that a comfortable life full of pleasure doesn't. Right. That kind of pleasure. Instead, he's drawing me to himself that I find delight in him and not on my circumstances or other people around right. me. And and not in that he is perpetrating these things against you, right? And there's a big difference between, this is a very yes. feeble illustration. It doesn't come close, but I, I hope it at least kind of touches on it. There's a big difference between Liam eating it super hard on his mountain bike mm -hmm. and you, you help him up and you instruct him through that and you say, okay, so here's what you did. Here's why it resulted in this. Here's how you can look at that next time and and how to avoid that maybe or or you know how to respond in that sort of situation and he gets back on his bike and and he goes and so you've you've taken this minor tragedy and you've taught him through that he grows through that and he arguably becomes a better mountain bike mm -hmm. cyclist because of that experience that's not the same thing it's very different than if you just walked up and shoved him off of his bike off a ledge like see this is, stick i'll put it this right, stick in your wheel jam a stick in his spokes like yeah, that's, that's very different that is so different and mm -hmm. and and god god is not jamming the stick in our spokes no he is just so extraordinary that no matter how dramatic or tragic or horrifying the circumstances only he can manage all of those details and can and, and orchestrate them in such a way that his glory and our good and even our joy and the joy of others can can come out of that circumstance hmm. yeah, that's a really important point god does not take delight in our suffering no it's he's he not, grieves with us he's not i think that's a good question to ask yourself very practically as well like when you are going through that that you know valley or the darkness is what does God think right now about you? What does he feel? And he is going to be feeling, like Robbie just said, grieving and sadness with you in your pain. But he's still confident in what he's doing in you. He's never surprised or, oh no, not what. He doesn't ever think those thoughts. Right. But he does grieve with us. He is sad when we experience pain and especially pain perpetrated on us by someone else in a yeah. sinful way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Hebrews, we, we, we have this faithful high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. And, and the word sympathy there really means empathize. Mm -hmm. Like it, he, can, he can feel what we feel because he certainly has felt betrayal. He certainly has felt other sin against him. He has experienced injustice and, and mockery and, and all of these things, abuse, all these horrifying things that often happen to us in the midst of a circumstance where where culture and everything around him is angrily and violently against the message that, of love that he is proclaiming. Like he can, he, he actually is with us in that and can say, 
I know how this feels and, and grieve with us in a very tangible, very visceral way, which it can be so easy for us to feel that he's, he's so distant. And, and, and again, it takes that remembering we hear over and over again, scripture, remember, 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 we need to remind ourselves and remind one another that he is with us. He is for us. He does grieve with us in those things. And, and he, he can share in that experience. He knows how that feels, which mm -hmm. is pretty extraordinary to, yes. to try to wrap your brain around. God knows how this feels right now. He does. I mean, I've said this before. I'm going to, I'm going to keep saying it because it has shaped me greatly. But a mentor of mine said to me years ago that the first thing we need to do every day is to adjust ourselves to the reality that we are living in God's presence. And I think that's really true. It's a way of saying, remind yourself. But for me, it's an adjustment. It's a, all right, I need to get that in my mind again. I am mm. living in the presence of God, which means he's at hand. He's able to intervene. He's with me. He's aware. I love the Psalm 139 where his hand is on my shoulder. Mm. So all of us need to do that. We need to adjust ourselves to the reality that we are living in God's presence today and in this very moment we are because of his goodness to us not because we've attracted him somehow but because of his goodness and love he makes himself present mm. both within us through his spirit but then he's all around us it's like patrick's prayer where he says god is christ is yes. before me and behind me he's on my left and he's on my right he's above me he's below me i just love that picture he's all around me all around that's so all good. the time that's so good so the problem is this sin right the problem is within. Yes. yes and then indeed. solution in this psalm is without, like you said, and it's this steadfast love of God. And one of the phrases that you used that really struck me was that we're called to feast on faithfulness hmm. and delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. And you clarify that that doesn't mean that if we just desire something, we'll have it. It means that actually our desires will be shaped to delight in him. And we will have him as the greatest gift. He will give himself to us as that gift. But here's a question. Practically, hmm. if we find ourselves not delighting or somehow wanting to delight but not feeling delight in the Lord, what would, you, what would be a practical thing or two that you would suggest for us to, to go after to be able to do that? That's a really great question. And I'm going to I'm going to throw this one right back at you after after I give a couple suggestions. I'd love to hear that same thing from you. We we hired you because you're better at being practical than the rest of us. And so <laughs> I definitely want to hear your practical thoughts on this, Jeff. Um it's such a great question because there there are moments where that's really easy and there's moments where that's really difficult. There's moments where that comes really naturally in the same way that um, in, in just about anything, you can just say, I'm just having a really great day today. And you're going, well, why, what's making it great? I don't know. Just a great day, right? I'm not intentionally trying to make today a great day. It just feels like things are going well and sun's shining and the air is fresh and just feels like a good day, right? So some days it comes really naturally. And there's some days when the dark clouds roll in both literally and figuratively, and it does not feel like a great day. And it takes like significant effort to try to delight where, where God does not feel near. And so I think those are the moments when, when we need to have a plan. We need to have something that we go, I need to go to this, this sort of thing. And 
And that's going to be different for each of us. We're, we we interact with God in different ways. There are certain things that are that are common to everyone. Scripture is always is always a big one. Um, but even scripture, for some people, that's going to resonate more deeply. For some people, that's the easiest thing. You go to the Word, you open it up, and immediately you feel encouraged by what you read. Um, some people, reading is is difficult, and not that you aren't or can't be encouraged by the Word, but that's not going to be your first choice because because that's going to take a lot of extra work to try to glean information, especially for those of us who have um, like learning disabilities or for whom reading is just incredibly difficult. Um, now, I do want to put a big asterisk on there and say you still need to open up the Word because even those people are blessed by and encouraged by and, and find delight in the Lord through that. But maybe that's not your first choice. Prayer is another uh, is another immediate go-to, but the, the, what makes that difficult is when I'm not feeling any of those things, that's typically when prayer feels like I'm talking to myself or it's bouncing off the ceiling. Or um, you can even, if you're being honest with yourself, you're like, this feels silly that I'm just kind of saying stuff out loud to nobody. So how do I turn that around? For me personally, that, that involves, first of all, getting away from anything that has a screen on it, mm-hmm. which by nature and by design sucks the joy out of me and makes me dependent on it and not anything else. And so I'll go outside a lot of times and, and just go for a walk, getting some fresh air that moving around helps clear my head. And, um, I enjoy, I enjoy being in nature. I love just this morning when I was walking outside and praying, I was, I was weirdly mesmerized by, by this flock of ducks that was just circling the parking lot out here. I don't know what they're doing. What are ducks doing? Why are they circling around our park? What are they hoping to find in this gravel parking lot? Who knows? But they were just like in a holding pattern, just circling around. And it was like mesmerizing. And in the weirdest way, it just stirs in me. God, you are so weirdly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like why? Why? Like what have you placed in them that makes them, first of all, want to be together? Right? Because it's a group of them all together. Why are they circling around in this pattern? Why is this pattern weirdly beautiful? Like there's this rhythm to what they're doing and this unity that they have. Their colors are reflecting off the sun. And just in this weird and totally unexpected way, I just see this glimpse of God's creative beauty and it stirs in me delight. I would have never experienced that if I stayed sitting at my desk staring at the computer screen Hmm. or looking at my phone or whatever. I can't find that stuff on my phone. I will never find that on my phone. I need to get away from that. And I need to, I need to spend some time in, in my father's world in his creation and allow him to surprise me. Um, work. I used to work at Starbucks and they had this phrase, surprise and delight. That's something you're supposed to do with your customers every now and again. You give them a surprise and delight. And that's like, hey, you're a regular customer. You've bought 50 cups of coffee here today. The coffee's on us. And you're every now and again supposed to, you know, it helps build customer loyalty. Well, they kind of ripped that off from God because <laughs> that's what he does, right? He surprises and delights where it's like, I'm just going outside to clear my head. And I'm going to surprise you with something extraordinary but but i have the intentional decision on my part is i have to get out of my regular rhythm i have to place myself in a place where i'm ready to to receive something like that and then i have to have my eyes open for it because if i don't i'm not going to see that butterfly 
land so close to me and or I'm not going to see those birds flying. I'm not going to feel that breeze and go, man, it's so weird that you make a breeze feel good. Why does that feel so good? Why does that awaken something in my soul and just interact with him in that way? I love that. And I, I feel like that's something being still somewhat new to this area, right? I think I've lived here now for two years in Marinette, Peshtigo, Menominee area. I'm still not used to the beauty that we have here. So I would encourage you, if you've been here for a long time, the beauty that Robbie just described might be normal to you. Hmm. It just, you get used to seeing turkeys running down the road being goofy and deer creeping around the cornfields and whatever. Uh, But we live in a place that is full of the beauty of creation in a way that that many people uh, just don't get to see. I think what you... Robbie, that that is such good advice because what you're doing in that moment too is getting outside of yourself. So often yeah. when we are we are feeling I'm just not delighting in the Lord or there's a cloud over us, my experience with my own heart is that that's because I'm just churning within and my focus right. is on myself. So right. that's actually the phone is designed for that, right? Like you turning yep. the screen off, the phone is designed to make me think about me, and it's using artificial intelligence and other things to customize the world to my liking to the best of its ability. Again, it's getting me to think about me and you're describing getting outside of yourself and and looking out, looking at what God has done in the world. I would say um, for me, scripture memory has been an important component Mm. to delighting in the Lord. So when I can have a sentence like I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When that is in my heart, that changes how I feel about who God is. So I would recommend, even though scripture memory for all of us is work, it is work, I would recommend committing key sentences from the Bible to heart so that they can come to mind when we so need good. them That's so and good. we can chew on them so you can walk like you were describing yep. you're walking outside and then that sentence comes to mind i often think because the spirit is bringing it to mind to remind us who god is i'm just so thankful to that that was something that was taught to me early on and it has borne fruit over and over and over again in my soul just to have it committed to memory and again there's going to be some of us who find that easier than others but i know people robbie and so do you who reading isn't easy but who are able to memorize scripture with the work that goes into it's work it's hard um so i would commend that as well it's a way of not misusing your imagination Hmm. because oftentimes for myself i'm misusing my imagination and i'm worrying about things that aren't real they haven't happened and they could happen but they haven't yet and it's making me feel horrible inside and i find that if my heart can go to something that is solid like god's word in an instant like that, then I can be using my imagination in a way that God has intended me to, in a way that's a blessing to me and to those around me. That's so yeah, really good. That's really good. And and I think to many counterintuitively, scripture memorization is the answer to difficulty reading. Yes. Right. So if I can just if I can just grab hold of this one short sentence. And, and gain mastery over this sentence. I just keep reading this one sentence and internalizing it so that I don't have to read it. I it's it's internalized. Then I then I don't have to worry about the struggle of reading. 
right? So it's not about, I got to get through all these chapters. Can I just grab hold? Can I write this sentence on a three by five card and pull it out mm-hmm. every hour on the hour, every time I go to the bathroom, every time I'm waiting in line, every time instead of pulling out my phone, I pull out that card so that I can internalize that to the point that I don't have to worry about reading it because it's, it is stored in my head and in my heart and I can access that anytime I want, regardless of whatever limitations I have. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And we are capable humans. We memorize things all the time that are that we place before our mind regularly. So lyrics from a song, often if we have a melody, it's a lot easier to yeah. memorize something. That's what the Psalms, the people of God would memorize them with melodies. Um, but two sentences that I'd recommend. So the one I already quoted is Galatians 2.20. Mm-hmm. And another one is Second Corinthians five seventeen. Hmm. Those are two that have been anchor verses for me, um, and they have over and over again been used by God's Spirit to pull me back from the brink of the misuse of imagination and gloom hmm. to delighting in Him. That's really good. That's really good. I would I would add to that list uh, that that short list Matthew eleven. And uh, verses 28 and 29, mm-hmm. which is just, for me, has been for the last couple of days, uh, in particular, a lifeline. Just praying that over and over again. Jesus promised, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls mm-hmm. for my yoke is easy and my burden is light it is just such a extraordinary invitation from jesus and and when when that is what your mind brings to the forefront in the midst of all the things that are going on uh, externally in the midst of all the chaos that's going on internally when the spirit brings to your mind jesus promise hey i understand it you are you are weighed down heavily but come to me learn from me because i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls that that stirs delight in me that this jesus would love me like that and accept me like that and invite me to him like that and make that kind of promise that that's actually possible um that's that stirs delight Mm. amen to that Well, Church, we are grateful that you would take time to listen. We hope that our discussion today has been an encouragement to you, that it's been a practical help to you. And if we can serve you in any way by answering any other questions, uh, either individually or suggestions for the podcast, we would love to hear from you at connect at faithpeshtigo.com. We are always praying for you and with you. We love you, Church. And until we see you or you listen again, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.